Welcome to another edition of Hockey the Podcast. It's still on lockdown, but uh, that makes it uh, the perfect time to bring you up to speed with everything in the world of hockey and beyond. Uh, we kicked off the, the quarantine session, so to speak, last week with a host of interviews. This time around, uh, we've got another fantastic guest on the way. Uh, but first and foremost, I've got a fantastic co-host. Not next to me, because of course... Uh, got to keep uh, ourselves isolated, but uh, he is in the comforts of his own home once again, Tyron Jabu Barnard. Tyron, how are you doing? Has quarantine gotten to you yet, or are uh, you coping relatively well? Ah, look, uh, thanks, Derek. It's always uh, always good to be here and good to uh, to chat hockey. And uh, obviously, the circumstances leave us in a slightly different situation, but um, yeah, no, the quarantine has been a good time for uh, family bonding, let's say. Um, but not a good time for hockey. So looking forward to this chat tonight so we can dive back into the world of hockey for a little bit. Yeah, I must say my brying skills have improved immeasurably uh, over these last couple of days. Uh, I've never been the greatest of brys, but well, I'll tell you what, uh, the meal I, I delivered uh, a couple of nights ago was worthy of uh, three Michelin stars at least, uh, according to my books anyway. But uh, yeah, we're learning new skills that we never knew that we had. Um, and yeah. uh, we, 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 I mean, you've got uh, two little ones, I've got one. Um, I, I think that's probably the toughest part, is keeping them entertained. My four-year-old daughter, Ash, she understands quarantine and lockdown. In fact, uh, she made her way to my studio at home the other day and delivered her own little uh, radio bulletin to her listeners in inverted commas. And uh, she was actually talking about the lockdown. It was quite uh, interesting to hear. But um, yeah, she kind of grasps it, but uh, not fully just yet. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Colby's only five months old. Uh, so he he doesn't know what's going on. He just feels like it's an extended maternity leave for his mom. Um, but uh, Callum... Doesn't quite grasp it fully. Um, doesn't understand when dad's working from home because obviously the day job still runs. But uh, yeah, the, uh, I think he likes having the parents around and it might be a little bit weird when we do have to go back to work for him to adjust to that. But uh, it's been a good experience for him in in terms of having mom and dad around. And, and look, we've all watched probably enough of Lippy and Paw Patrol <laughs> uh, to to be able to sing the songs off by heart. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a slight giggle in the background because it is our guest. Uh, w- without further ado, let's introduce him. We can continue with this conversation, but uh, tell us who do we have on the show tonight? Yeah, I thought uh, what a better way to go. You know, we we spoke just a few episodes back with Lisa Dietlefs about the the postponements of the Olympics. We spoke with Rassi Peterson about the postponements of the Olympics. So we've heard from the women's team. We've heard from the men's team. I thought, what about hearing from the third team of South Africans that were going to go to the Olympics? And that's the umpiring team. And uh, what better person than South Africa's current number one and golden whistle for FIH with more than 100 caps, um, Peter Art. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, pleasure um, to Peter, have you on board. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Good to have and some action in lockdown. Yeah, and where does lockdown find you right now, Peter? Yeah, well, I'm. I'd say we're all stuck at the moment. So I've uh, moved in with my mum for a bit, so it's just the two of us. I'm, I'm a, a lowly bachelor again, so the two of us have been stuck in a small townhouse in Centurion for the last two weeks. And uh, are you at least letting her uh, do things, or are you giving her blowing the whistle and calling her? 
offside <laughs> or for dangerous play when she goes into the kitchen to get an extra chocolate? I'll, I'll, I'll make sure she's far away because she might actually take you on with that as well. <laughs> we, have been, we, we have been doing an online Excel course and I must say my temper reminds me of some of the players we have to deal with uh, quite a bit as well. So, thank goodness there's a garden that uh, she can go out and actually uh, catch her breath every now and again. You know, it's amazing, the resilience of South Africans. And yeah, we've been through a lot of tough times over the years. And what always amazes me is how we adapt to the situations through humor. And the memes that have been going around have been phenomenal. And it's it's not great to make um, a, 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 make such a, a lighthearted uh, response to, to such a serious affair. But of course, uh, you know, when you can kind of rely on laughter. And... Um, one of those things, I heard you talking all the time, mentioning maybe going into the kitchen to get chocolate or something. Uh, probably the best one I've seen so far. Um, I'm not saying I'm eating a lot, but uh, I do have a tan line from the fridge light. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully the fridge is not swearing back at you now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been very, very tough from a personal level and, and from a professional level. Because... Um, I mean, hockey isn't your be-all and end-all. I mean, you've, you've still got a, a, a business that, that you've got to be involved in as well. That's right. And, and um, although hockey is my passion, it also is my business as well. And it's hit us quite hard. Uh, I'm one of quite a few people that are heavily involved in, in hockey as a business. Um, I'm the retailer and the importer of, of a local brand uh, of Malik. And it's hit us hard that for the last two weeks, we've had absolutely no sales because with schools being off and this being our prime season of, of all the festivals, clinics and tournaments that, that go on. It's really our, the start of our, the official start of our season, but, but also the, the main selling part. So I think, I mean, I'm only one of the brands. I'm sure all of us are really taking a quite a big knock at this time of the year. And uh, it's, um, it's actually, uh, you know, it's, it's, we're sitting talking to you on the, the, the eve of the Easter weekend, when this goes out, it'll probably be maybe Good Monday, Easter Monday, Family Monday, whatever that day is actually called. But it, it's it's a crazy time actually to be talking to someone for hockey because right now there should be all the hockey festivals going on. The outdoor season should be in full flow. Club seasons are starting. Schools are preparing for their massive competitions. And instead, we're all sitting at home and making fitness videos and stuff like that. I mean, it is ch- do you, yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, what's the way forward for, for the hockey brands in the country? Well, well, I, th- I think it's forcing us to really think out the box and we're all going to have to do something really different. Um, I've been chatting to, to a few of the guys and, and we're just trying to say, well, one is our, our prime, prime season is gone, so what, what's to follow? Are the school uh, provincial tournaments going to go ahead? Because that would be number two on our... Um, on our list is that June-July festival period and there's talk of the school holidays now being cancelled and the, the kids having school right through that time as well. So obviously from a business side, we, we're really hoping that the provincial tournaments will take place. Um, fingers crossed that they do. Um, we're really nervously waiting um, for number one to talk to us tonight and, and hopefully give us some, some light on that. Um, also being involved in a on the hockey admin side and on the Northern's executive, I know from an SA hockey side, they're really nervous as well for what lies ahead on a, on the provincial scene and, and the, the club scene, because the sooner the clubs start playing, 
sooner we can get provincial hockey back up and running as well. So from a senior level, it, it also you know, bodes a hell of a lot of questions and, and a lot of nervous anticipation. I think from brands, we're trying to come up with two or three scenarios of what, what we could do uh, if scenario A, B or C, but easier said than done as well because we really feel like we have no starting point with that. Yeah, there's no question. It's it's a domino effect, and and that's what we've seen uh, when it slowly started to to take its course. The the lockdown, and and slowly but surely, sports uh, were involved in the the disappearance of, of action of any action, so to speak. And, and I suppose that's exactly what's going to happen when we start building things back up. If and when, well, when rather, um, we, we do manage to get things back on track, um, it's going to be. A slow rebuilding phase to get manage to get everything back, and then also um, you've got to wonder to yourself. I mean, not just from the hockey front, but will certain sports or events uh, that were postponed is it too late now to to reschedule them? I mean, will they have to be cancelled altogether? Um, as you mentioned, the clubs, the schools, etc., and it just snowballs. Hundred percent. It's like you say, it's that domino effect as well. Because without club hockey happening, well, let's even go back a level. Without school hockey, there's no schools provincial hockey. Without club hockey, there's no senior provincial hockey. There'd be no SA hockey tournaments as well. And and let's leave even if you leave out the financial side of it from from the, the hockey brands, but also from SA hockey. Each province would have specific. Uh, staff that they would need to to have to pay and, and financial commitments and again like you said that domino effect goes all, all the way up as well and then you look on the, on the playing side uh, they've just announced internationally that the indoor world cup is is uh, they have a venue in belgium for next year those qualification tournaments need to happen this year as well you've got the junior world cup that's on next year as well so again there's more qualification tournaments and you just wonder where it's going to stop because we also we've got to try and fit in the pro league that that is has fallen by by the wayside and you know like you say from the top right down to to primary hockey there's just going to be this hell of a snowball effect and and either it's going to be a, a hell of a busy three or four months to try and squash everything in or, or perhaps it's going to be that out the box thinking of of hockey becoming uh all year round sport which it generally is at the moment but maybe more officially that you might see tournaments being played in uh, October, November, and, and possibly early December. So it, it could really si- um, show signs of some new new thinking and some new ideas and, and really force us into a, a new way of doing things. Yeah, Peter, and, and I think it opens up a very interesting dynamic in the sense that we now know the Olympic Games are happening in July next year. The World Cup will happen mere 12 to 18 months after that, which will be an unbelievably small gap. But uh, the bigger challenge, probably from a South African point of view, is we'll have the Indoor World Cup in February. How many of the outdoor players who are going to the Olympics will be allowed to go to that? How do we split our our resources? Because, again, it is a costly um, endeavor. You know, we're also going to try and get tours to, to get the pre-tournament stuff uh, going. We need to fit in another RPT somewhere so that uh, the squad can be selected. So it offers a... Uh, a very testing, um, let's call it chess game, to try and fit the international sporting puzzle together, and then to filter that down. Are you are you excited by this challenge, or does it does it rather give you a little bit of sleepless nights? 
that you really it's a yes and a, and a no side as well and i think that the tough part is that that for a lot of us and players included coaches etc umpires we all we had our minds set on on july and, and you've kind of set your whole life up a, from a training point and, and setting putting all your plans into place um this unforeseen circumstances come up come on board and obviously I think no one has got any doubt in their mind that the, the, the postponement was the right right decision but you're right it's it's a whole mind shift again to to change I mean there, there are a few of us and I'm sure quite a few players as well that we're going to be calling it a day at the end of um, of uh, Tokyo so now now it's a it's an interesting challenge that lies ahead as well and obviously as as anyone again, anyone involved at that level you don't want to throw this opportunity away so it's another year of of reassessing and, and, and putting things back into into planning mode. I think we're lucky from the official side. We all received an email from the FIH last week to say they, they've agreed to keep the panel of, of officials on for um, for next year, which is a huge relief, I think, for, from us as officials um, that, that we don't have to go through a new selection process, etc., to towards uh, towards next year. But I'm sure from a playing side, it, it's going to Give a lot of the older players perhaps more more sleepless nights as well that, that they've got to hold out that much longer. Um, like I said earlier, I was due to retire uh, because the FIH have got a, a 47-year-old uh, age gap or age cap on the the officials. So, and I turned 47 in October, so I was supposed to be uh, retiring at at the end of that. And I suppose, yeah, the the one good thing is the FIH have kindly. Uh, given a bit of leeway to, to the age thing, but I suppose it just opens up new avenues and, and new opportunities for us. Um, well, Peter, and, and let's, let's, let's talk about that specifically. You were going to the Olympics. You are currently seen as South Africa's top umpire, whether, whether you'll say it or not. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, what a great way it would have been to end your career this year, but uh, to end your international career. Um, but obviously, we get to delay another year. We saw... Uh, We've spoken to Rusty Peterson, and he's very much in the same same uh, yes. uh, situation. Um, now, what does that do for you? Does it give you an extra spring in your step that you got another year, or or does it make you feel a little bit like, oh man, another year to go? No, no, I think hundred percent. It's that extra spring in the step and, and another opportunity to have a, another go at it. Um, you do have that bittersweet uh, taste of, of of competition and. And being involved at the highest level, but I think that drive just to still be involved is always going to be there as well. And and if you have that thought of ah oh, bugger another year, then you really shouldn't be there. Um, and and your best interests of of the game at heart are, are really you're never going to achieve that. So I'm really excited. I mean, I have a few personal goals that I'd like to to achieve, and this perhaps gives me more of an opportunity. It gives us more time more uh, games under the belt and you know, I might be lucky enough to hit the 150 mark you, you know so those are perhaps things that I, I never thought would happen and it just shows that uh, sports a funny thing and, and I suppose in this stage life's a funny thing you, you can't predict anything and, and when you least expect it the, the changes come and the other thing I mean from a personal point of view just in terms of it was the Olympics it was around the corner Japan this uh, Massive, beautiful country on the other side of the world. Um, uh, I'm sure that would would have been disappointing. I mean, you you travelled plenty, but uh, yeah, to, to miss out on the Olympics for now and not being guaranteed the fact that you'll you'll be involved in a year's time. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. That wasn't, and all our. I mean, we've been really lucky with this pro league. So a lot of the umpires are involved, were involved with with the pro league. So it, it involved a lot of travelling for us, and and that really gets you to the point. So we were really on 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 a on a plane to peak for July, and that was really awesome. Uh, I think for us, it's the relief that the FIH have sent that email out to to the officials to say, right, don't worry, you you're all in for next year. So it gives us that that. Uh, uh, calming effect, perhaps as well, but, but again, Brilliant. it puts pressure on us that we have to make sure that we're at a hundred percent, or even hundred and fifty percent, by the time we we get to July next year. So p- perhaps we'll use it as experience that uh, we're older and wiser rather, rather than uh, than fitter. <laughs> well, Peter, I mean, obviously now we're talking the Olympic Games, which for many people is the pinnacle of uh, hockey. Um, of course, for many others, it is the World Cup. Um, so those two are seen as the two uh, peak trophies, the the most important one. Which one for you gets the gets the nod? The World Cup, obviously for the men, it'll be in India, or um, the Olympics. <laughs> well, that that is a tough one as well. Um, it was always one of my dreams to 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 try and get to both of those, and I've been lucky enough to to do another trip to India. Uh, I've done, I think it was probably trip number seven or eight uh, for the World Cup. And, and it was a wonderful experience. And just to be part of that, it's, it's such an eye-opener to, to see at that level. I mean, I've been lucky enough to do two Commonwealth Games and a few other fairly large tournaments, but nothing quite of, of that stature. So the World Cup was an absolute wow factor. And it, it, I suppose being in India, what better place um, can you be to have a world-class event? But I think the Olympics must be the pinnacle, I would imagine, as well. That's a tough one because the World Cup is is your hockey people and your hockey family. Um, and again, a lot of talk in the hockey is all around the hockey family. Um, whereas, So in India, was great because you're the hockey family, whereas the, at the Olympics, it's the world sport. So, so they really come with two very different vibes. But I, I think the hype of, of Tokyo and the Olympics, which, I mean, I haven't been to Olympics, unfortunately, so I can't really compare. But I can just imagine that that, uh, that hype must uh, put it above anything else. Now, awesome. Are we glad that you are still going to get the opportunity next year, uh, provided the world is healthy and safe to, to go and experience that? How, how much of an impact did it make or how much of a desire did it make to you because your brother has been uh, obviously another golden whistle umpire, but he's been to a bunch of Olympic Games. I mean, did that, did that make you a little bit um, competitive or did it encourage you that you wanted to get there? Or Yeah, yeah, I think it was definitely an encouragement side as well. I mean, obviously, I don't think too many people are going to break his record of I mean, five Olympic Games. That's something that yeah, I think we're going to take a few years to for someone to to break that record. So just just to be able to get to one is is incredible. And and again, I think there's perhaps no comments column, and no one can take that away from you that you've actually been to Olympics. But having had John as a role model, uh, it really gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to, to fight towards as well, and, and shows that if you put in the work at the ground level, uh, all the opportunities that are there. And I think. For any young aspiring official, uh, it's a wonderful uh, uh, carrot that almost dangles in front of you that, that shows years of hard work and, and you can reach the ultimate prize. It, 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 it's a magnificent carrot to have. And 
there's no question that it's also great for you to be have have someone so close to you who's who's able to guide you through uh, the peaks and troughs of the world of international sport, especially when it comes to umpiring in the hockey world. Most definitely, as you're right, and I think like any top sportsman, uh, sports official, he's had his fair share of, of highs and lows, and perhaps for him, the World Cups have been a, a, a better playing ground for him. I think he did of his four World Cups, he did the last three finals. So that that was his his pinnacle, perhaps, whereas the Olympics, he had a bit of a, a rough ride. And and to be able to sit and talk about those those things as well, because obviously everyone remembers the, the highs, but people like to forget the lows quite quickly as well. And unfortunately, that's sport and that's life. And there's always got to be that one person who's going to make the, the blunder or be on the wrong side of the teams. And I think we all know that in sport, the, the officials, the umpires or the referees are, are the easiest ones to, to, to be on the receiving end of, of the unhappy team. So you've really got to have, have broad shoulders. Uh, and to be able to, to sit with someone and talk about how to handle those situations has really been a, a great help. And Peter, on top of that, you, you mentioned the fact that you're on the receiving end of uh, the bad comments from the players, but also the fans too. So, I mean, umpires and, and referees in general, umpires, referees, etc., um, across all sports, uh, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's always, if they are mentioned, then it's generally for bad reasons. And if they do a good job, then you won't hear about them. I mean, it, it takes a special kind of person with a very, very thick skin to decide to make a career out of it? 100%. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with, with the thick skin. Um, I think what drives us is, is again, we go back to the hockey family. Uh, we've really, I think most people have made an, a huge group of really cl- close friends. And I mean, even, even more so in the recent years in the introduction of the Pro League, where now the men and women are doing a lot more together as well. So, so in the past, it was just a, a men's group of umpires. And now it's the men and the women. And especially for the Pro League, you get to, I mean, last year, for example, uh, myself and Annalise, the South African lady, flew to New Zealand for a weekend for one game. So you really get to bond with, with these guys and become really good friends. And uh, especially the country, the different countries, that, uh, and guys from different countries. And I've got probably my, one of my best mates is the, is the little Indian umpire. And, I mean, we've been together on the circuit for about 15 years now and you really count a lot of these guys as of your closest friends so i think that that keeps you going uh the, the ability to laugh at ourselves um we have to because like you said we, we can always be on the receiving end of that and i think a bit of uh console for us is that uh, we're gonna make we're gonna upset 50 percent of the people 100 percent of the time because there's always going to be one team that's upset with something that we do be it right or wrong so you're right. We we have a, a big sense of humour. Uh, you have to, uh, but but then again, when we when we are wrong and we do make mistakes, because we, we have a, a big video uh, package that, that follows us, and obviously with social media and TV these days, everything being broadcast, uh, our errors do get uh, get get shown to the world. And you have to be big enough to to take it on the chin and and sometimes own up to those things that we do make mistakes because we are human as well. So I think that that's been big thing and within our group of umpires the guys aren't they aren't scared to call each other out or maybe aren't scared to assist each other to say hey you made a mistake there and, and maybe try this or maybe do that uh, i think that's part of the 
part of the curve and, and part of life and part of sport where you need those guys that are, are, are big enough to, to tell you when you're wrong. And for us to accept and take it on the chin and just make sure that we're better next time. Peter, South Africa is a, is a, a wonderful, empowering history in all sport. I mean, if you look at rugby, you've got the likes of Andre Watson, Craig Bear, uh, Maurice Jonker, you know, um, even Jakub Pepe, although the, the, the some countries didn't like him after the World <laughs> Cup. Uh, you look at cricket and we've got Murray Rasmus, one of the top in the world. Even in football, Daniel Bennett was rated one of the best keeper, uh, uh, umpires or refs at the, at the 2016, 2014 FIFA World Cup. I don't remember which year it was. And in hockey, of course, we've had your brother, uh, Michelle Hubert, Annalise Rostrin, yourself, Dion Nell. Why, why are South Africans such good umpires? Yeah, that is an interesting, interesting one. And I, I think we, we, we go to our, our system and our, our structures and we really, and again, being an amateur sport, everyone's so quick to, to complain about the structures and the, and the committees and the setups. But I think we've really been lucky over the last 22 and probably even, even 30 years to have really dedicated people um, at grassroots level and, and involved in the different uh, rules and technical committees. I mean, if we think back to the, uh, Paul Richards, who used to be the, the uh, general manager of SA Hockey, and the likes of Emil Sterley, who ran the women's setup, and there's so Bobby Gagels, there's so many names that, that come to the, to the fore. And then in more recent, semi recent times, uh, Gavin Cullens and the Toby Tatlifts, and, and then again, even more recent, of, of the Clive McMurray's and Marilises, who have turned to, from umpiring into umpire management. And we just have such strong characters that the young umpires can look up to, uh, the people that are very approachable and, and more than willing to, to give their time and also give their time at, at the lower levels and the lowest of levels. So we, we have a lot of our, our senior panel. I mean, Annalise, for example, is the umpire manager at under-18s. So those girls that, that go to under-18 RPT get to learn from one of the best in the world. And, and that's just a wonderful opportunity. And when we look at, at our Pretoria leagues as well, and, I've done third and fourth league games with a young umpire. John has done the same on a, on a Sunday, for example. And I'm sure all over, Dion Nell in East London, Gary Simmons in, in Durban, Sean Rappaport in Cape Town, they're not bigger than the game. Uh, they're very humble and, and they're prepared to give to anyone that, that is out there as well. And I think that's the culture and the ethos that, that the umpires have, have developed. And it's, it's that culture that's come for for years and years and years. And, and luckily we've been able to hold on to that. And I think that's something that we must cherish and we must fight to, to really make sure that we keep. Peter, you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I was just going to say that that question actually came from uh, Keely Dunn from FH umpires. Um, she, when I asked her, I told her I was going to talk to you. She said, yeah. obviously your first question for you was who's your favorite Canadian online umpiring personality. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she then also said she's just completely astounded by um, um, by how top quality South Africa keeps producing in terms of umpires when, uh, in truth, we don't have the funding to pay these umpires uh, an excessive amount of money. And, and I think you've touched yeah, on right. that. And, mm. um, and how do you, I mean, how do you get fired up? You, you go to an Olympics, you go to an FIH Pro League, you go and umpire Australia against New Zealand or India, and then you come home and you, 
your umpire St. Albans fourth team versus um I don't know, old Ed's seventh team on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I mean, do you still find the great joy in those those opportunities? I think the the love for the game and and the, the the willingness or the the desire to give back is is what really drives us as well. And I mean, we're lucky enough to come from a hockey family, so my dad was involved with hockey from so we grew up on the side of the field as well. And, and just to to be able to to give back, and and that's the hardest. I mean, it is a challenge. And there's there's no doubt about that, and it's probably harder to do that old Albanians three and old Ed seven game than it is an international game because the skill level is definitely not there. And and what I'm trying to achieve is very different to what the teams are trying to achieve. So so that does uh, create even more uh, perhaps frustration sometimes as well, where I've got to realise what I'm doing, and perhaps they've also got to realise who's behind the whistle. But I think we've all got to got to realise that if you don't do your bit at the bottom and if you're too good for those games, you're going to fall pipe at the top as well. And I think that's that's the one thing. And if we look over the last 20 years, we've always had very humble umpires. So this is, you know, the culture that, that we've instilled in everyone is that you're never bigger than the game. And if you are, you soon get found out. And unfortunately, yeah, the paths maybe go in a different direction. Peter, we mentioned the the fact about having a t- a thick skin, and and it's a very unforgiving job. And yeah, you just alluded to to how it came about, uh, coming from a very very big hockey family. But uh, was it just a, a natural progression? You becoming an umpire? Um, did you did you really seek to become one, or was it just something that you kind of just easily slotted into, given what had happened before? I think you're probably right. It it was almost a natural progression. I remember umpiring at school when I was in the good old days, standard eight, whatever that grade ten, I think, and and just wanting to help out with the under fourteen E's and F's. And oh, I love it! I I love one. I love one of those. I'm I'm also one of those. (laughs) (laughs) The standards. So so it's been. I mean, I've been umpiring feels like forever as well, and um, it's just part of the the thing. I mean, I also I, I was maybe naive or stupid because I, I really buggered around quite a bit when I, if I, I should have taken umpiring a lot serious, more seriously than I, than I did because I thought it would be quite cool to, to manage and coach. And I did that for perhaps five or six years too long as well. So I, I really, I, I think I, the, the timing was just perhaps right as well when an opportunity came and it was by absolute chance that uh, we were hosting a, an Africa Cup, uh, Africa Club Champs actually, um, at the old Technicon Pretoria. And like you said earlier, uh, tyrant funding was an issue. So uh, poor Gary Simmons was was nominated to come up from Durban and Zane McLaren was the, the Johannesburg umpire. And there was no money to bring Gary up. So we needed a second umpire and I was luckily the next in line and, and being local. So I got the opportunity and, and got my FIH badge at that tournament. So that's perhaps how life throws you these uh, these games every now and again as well. So perhaps it's that lucky break that I got and, and that then made me realize I need to take this a bit more seriously. Peter, obviously now, I mean, if I, if according to uh, FIH's TMS, you're sitting on 132 caps. Is there one that stands out in your memory as, as the most special? Yeah, that's an easy one. I think it must be doing uh, John's last game with him in, at uh, at the World League semi-finals in at Wits uh, in 
2017, I think it was. So again, it's like you say, those uh, John and I have never done a, a senior, a series, uh, international tournament together. We've done a lot of local games and a lot of local test matches. And we obviously knew he was going to be retiring at that tournament. And I hadn't been uh, nominated for the, for the tournament. I was due to go to uh, the Pan Am Cup in, in the USA a week after that. So I thought, oh, well, there we go. It's, you know, I'm never going to get that opportunity to blow the senior tournament. With him. And true as Bob, about four days before the tournament, the Australian umpire pulled out. And quite a funny story to that because it's about the third time I've replaced this particular umpire at different tournaments <laughs> around the world. Maybe it was, again, it was just calm and I got pulled in at the last minute and, and ended up doing the John's last game with him. So I think that's really got to be very special. I mean, obviously our families were there. My mom was there, obviously beaming like a Cheshire cat, you can imagine. And all our, all our mates, because it was local. So I think that really stands out as probably the highlight of my career. So. Well, and, and I was at that game. It was actually quite a, a surprisingly one-sided game with Belgium. <laughs> Wasn't it just, yeah. Who would have thought the Germans rolled over and played dead like that? But uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, uh, I think you won the card counts in that game against John. And <laughs> <laughs> start off, and that's probably the first time. So maybe, maybe, maybe he had forgotten that or the, the kids perhaps had stolen his cards when they, were, when they walked out for the anthems, I think. But, uh, it's not often that happens. I mean... He has the, the nickname of Captain Grumpy, and, and that's for a reason as well. And uh, yeah, we definitely are chalk and cheese when we come to umpiring, and and but, probably personalities in life as well. So yeah, not yeah but happens. I think it's uh, it's the good balance. I mean, you got good cop, bad cop, and uh, what grumpy cat and happy cat. So it works. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We'll be lucky. It hasn't got us into trouble yet, so maybe that is a good thing. Yeah, John might not talk to me much after this, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll send, you. Him, I'll send him flowers. It's fine. <laughs> uh, um, Peter, obviously we're looking at, uh, at a, a world where uh, Peter and John Wright won't be umpiring as South African umpires uh, in the near future. Who's, who's the youngsters coming up that you think are uh, headed for umpiring greatness in South Africa? Well, I mean, I think like we were saying earlier, we, we're really lucky to have a, a big pool of, of talented youngsters that, that are coming up as well. Um, one that come, obviously, Sean Rappaport, I mean, he must have been really close to getting onto the Olympic panel. He's just been included in the, uh, in the Pro League panel as well last year and this year. So I think he, he was really unlucky and I think he's got a, a really bright future. Uh, there's a young gentleman, Dalen Marku, from Pretoria as well. And, uh, and there's the Peter Colders of the world. Um, on the women's side, there's a really exciting prospect in, in Lizay Taylor and Bunry Fenter. So I think we're going to have South Africans on that international circuit for a long time to come, which is, is really exciting. P- Peter, oh, this fantastic stuff. There's sorry, we keep on interjecting given the fact that we're not face to face. Um, but Peter, I mean, it's, it's going to be a very tough question to answer. I know that, but you've mentioned one of them uh, now, having umpired with uh, with John. Um, I'm sure that's right up there. But uh, you must have some unbelievable memories over the years, and and I always find that officials in sports have a lot more fun than the players because, of course, there's as much pressure, if not more so, to to do well. Uh, during the course of a game, but uh, 
you, you do have far more opportunities to let your hair down to 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 respect, um, <laughs> as opposed to the players. It's not so much twenty four seven fitness. It's maybe twenty three seven fitness. Uh, maybe twenty two, but. Yeah, I mean, if you can look back at some of the highlights uh, over the course of your career. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Over 10, 10 to 15 odd years, there, there have been some great ones. And and quite a phrase word or a thing for the for the umpiring is is pairings. So there's a big drive to, to put you with people that you're comfortable in umpiring with as well. And I mean, one particular one, and I go to my little Indian friend, Raghu, uh, who, who we met at a, at a youth development seminar in 2000. So, I mean, that's how far back we go. And it's just when you have a, a friend and a colleague on the other side that you know you can go to battle with, and, and those are the special memories as well. And, and we don't need to see each other for two or three years perhaps, but when you get together, you just have – it's like a brotherhood, and you have these friends that are, are just there all, all along. I mean, I, I have an affection for – for Asia, because for some reason I've, I've spent a hell of a lot of time there. I've, I've been to Malaysia probably four or five times and India seven or eight times. Uh, I mean, I think I did one of the last tournaments in, in Pakistan before all the nonsense hit the fan there as well. So, you know, I think traveling to Asia and, and experiencing different cultures has been really, really special as well. And obviously my love for Indian food is, has grown and, and the love for, for exploring of those countries as well. I mean, I, I have a bit of a explorer spirit in me as well. So I'm not one to sit in the hotel all day and, uh, you know, watch movies, etc. I want to get out and see the different uh, sights and sounds of, of wherever we are as well. And I mean, for example, last year I was in Peru for the, the Pan Am Games. And I mean, just to be in, in Lima was incredible. And then also to, to be able to get to Machu Picchu was, you know, I stayed on an extra few days. So there's some of those bucket list items that you, you get to do. And, and without hockey, I've never been able to do them because it's taken me to places. I mean, I've been and, and Australia, New Zealand, you, know, you name it, most of Europe. And it's just, it's life-changing life experiences and, and obviously memories that are going to be there for forever. I mean, the Commonwealth, my first Commonwealth Games in India, in Delhi, that, that was really special. I mean, you had a stadium that seats almost 40,000 people. And uh, India were playing in the final against the Aussies in full stadium. And then at halftime, they were 4-0 down or 5-0 down and everyone left. <laughs> and there was no one in the stadium for the second <laughs> half. So, you know, that's those type of, uh, those type of experiences that are, just, are really special. I mean, something really random like, was when we were in the USA and we got to go to a, an Amish family and, and got to experience the Amish way of life. And I mean, it's just things that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, there probably not even movies around those things. You know, and the, the gentleman of the, the head of the household let me put on his, his Sunday best and off I went on his little scooter and got to do a, a track around the house. And that's just those special memories that, that you, you get to keep forever. Were you almost converted to the Amish lifestyle? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about offending our Amish listeners because we. we My golly, yeah. It was the, the whoopie pie, I think, got to me as well when I, I told the lady that uh, one bite of that and I'd have diabetes. And she said, No, the uh, encyclopedia says that you can't get diabetes from that. And that just brings uh, <laughs> <laughs> the real rude awakening that uh, they're still in encyclopedia. So we're far away from that. Thank you. 
I can tell you, Peter, I mean, we've never spent any time together. We've never met face to face, uh, but I have spent plenty of time with John. And if it runs in the right genes, then yeah, you, you'd make a, a terrible Amish person because I know for a fact John would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, that, that Rammstein year would, would, would last a lot longer than it should, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, uh, Peter, we're getting, getting to the end. We know uh, you have a lot of things you want to go do, like probably bake banana bread, as most of us have tried in this lockdown. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to to say from our side, obviously we we are very grateful for the work you've done in SA hockey. We, uh, you know, in the years, it's it's a decade now that I've been writing about hockey in the country, and you've always taken time to chat to me. But more importantly, I've always seen you take time for anybody who wants to ask. Both you and your brother sit down and chat. And you know, when I was first trying to get going, Malik were were very happy to come along and and give away sticks to followers and stuff like that. So. So from my side, thank you. This is a small, small way we can say uh, thank you. And I'm very, very grateful that at least we get another 12 months of international hockey for you. Yeah, thank you very much. And, and thanks too to you guys. I mean, you're doing a wonderful job in, in promoting our, our small sport. Uh, we all know what potential hockey's got. And, and I mean, I think you guys are just really helping, helping that cause by getting it out to, to more and more people. So thank you too for what, what you guys are doing. Thanks, Peter. I mean, right, it goes without saying. We, we just do it for the love of it. And, uh, and really, there's no thanks necessary. It's, it's thanks to the guests who make the content so special. But, uh, yeah, you're not getting away without uh, taking part in the dreaded one-question quiz. Uh, many have tried. Most have failed. Uh, Kim failed last time. Uh, did Rusty come right, Ty? Can you remember? No, Ru- Rusty, Rusty. With the question oh, he- or... Yeah, you've got to be careful if you ask if Rassi comes right. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were students together, so I could, I, I could spill a few beans. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, love it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry, Rassi. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, Pete. Peter Wright is a, also the name of a darts player from Scotland. Uh, yes. Thanks. Very, very well-known player. Uh, renowned for his Mohican hairstyle. Uh, they change color for every tournament, etc. What is his nickname? My golly! And and I'll I'll tell you I'll give you a clue. His nickname it's derived from the designs his wife adds to tattoos, and not from the drink. So the nickname has the same. It's another name for a drink, a specific drink, but it's not because it's not named after the drink. It's named because of the tattoos that he has based on this animal. Ah, oh, golly. I think you got the animal part right as well because I forget uh, yeah, my, my uh, mugshot comes up as him and that's not something <laughs> I, <want to laughs> I want to be too proud about. Geez, you've stumped me there, Derek. I have no but, idea. Uh, Peter, I must tell you, he is the current world champion. He just he won the world championship on the 1st of January. So oh my no, it's gosh. not a bad association. Yeah. Jeez. You, you mean you want to see me in Tokyo with a whole lot of tattoos down my arm? <laughs> and, and it's and something that, that, that a person could pick up um, were they to go, um, you know, South Africa, it's, it's pretty prevalent, but particularly in Australia. If you go, you've got to be very wary of this animal doing this to you. Is it the uh, scorpion? No, it wouldn't be. It would be a 
I was going to say, I think it's a pretty big South African animal. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, no, it's a massive South African animal. I'm, in terms of the, the thing that it does, though, uh, yeah, you do hear it quite a bit. Out in the bush, it happens a lot. Snake bite. There we go. The, you got it. Oh, geez. The moment you mentioned drink, obviously I got that right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you, you eventually got there by hook or by crook, sure. but uh, we'll give it to you. Well done. help from my friends, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, it's been great having you on the show. And um, yeah, we just got word. I don't know if you've heard the news, uh, but during this interview, um, the lockdown's been extended by 14 days. Oh, my soul. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be an interesting. So I've been getting dizzy running around the washing line and the door, a whole 20-meter loop every day. So it's going to have to carry on for a bit longer. Uh, we've got a friend, Darren Brahm, and he he's taken motivation. He did a 5K in his garden uh, about a week or two ago, and now he's going to take it up a notch, and he's planning on doing, and, and whether it happens or not, because he says he's actually picked up injuries from the constant turning <laughs> around, as you mentioned. But he was planning on doing the, the two oceans route in his back garden. Oh my. And, and, oh and, my the, golly, and I think it's, you, you're looking at around a, 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 an eight meter by eight meter area that he's going to be covering. Oh no, that is brave. Yeah, that, that, that's the, almost the size of my little, uh, my route. And I think I do 160 laps of this <laughs> just to get two Ks inside. I hate to know what that poor guy's going to have to have to do yeah, yeah I, i'm very lucky my uh, i've 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 found out how my uh, treadmill switches on which i'm quite chuffed about these last two weeks have taught me amazing things how to wash dishes so it's not just a clothes source anymore no no it's it's oh, been promoted you've been walking the dog on there yeah. <laughs> he's getting his vitality points puts his watch on his dog's wrist yes. uh, it but, makes us think out the box doesn't it <laughs> Peter, thank you so much, man. It's been great to you. Sorry to, to be the bearer of bad news with regards to the lockdown, but um, yeah, hold tight, stay safe, stay indoors, and uh, here's to a uh, very, very successful Olympics next year, and, and you're first. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and then just a shout out to everyone who perhaps gets to listen to this to to stay indoors, stay safe, and quicker we get this over and done with hopefully the quicker we can all get uh, get back to work again and get back to normal lives Excellent. So thanks guys yeah and have a great evening thanks pete thank you peter you too all right awesome cheers guys cheers, thanks some more bye all right, ciao bye. oh what a guy ty yeah derek i think we've been blessed uh uh, we've been really blessed in South Africa with the quality of umpires. And, and I mean that across all sports. We really, really have amazing umpires. And I think it's probably down to the nature of South Africans. We rise to the challenge. We're able to keep our composure in the in the, the darkest storm. And that's probably something we're going through right now. We, uh, we are in a bit of a storm. And, and if there's one country I know that can ride through this and we can do it together, it is South Africa. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the fact about how well South Africa has done in the international arena with regards to umpires and officials and referees because it, it really is a massive, massive feather in our caps to have been able to achieve so much um, for a relatively small country uh, that has been in the international arena for a, a very short space of time since uh, readmission. So... And, and Peter Wright is just a, a, another glowing example of how good we get it when we get it right. 
And uh, yeah, what a guy. What a gentleman. And uh, although I think he's got some very, very interesting stories. I'm looking forward to, to catching up for, with a drink or two and, and finding out a bit more about Rassi. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's probably got some dirt on most players. So uh, <laughs> the players might be asking him to, to keep, it, uh, keep it down. But uh, look, uh, a gentleman, a, a scholar of the game and a wonderful, wonderful uh, example of a proud South African. So yeah, I'm looking forward to having some more chats with Peter and uh, some more chats with more guests. And uh, yeah, look, we, we all we can do is make the most of this lockdown and, and bring you as much uh, high quality hockey content as we can. Yeah, and I'm deviating a little bit, but I think we're going to throw it open to the public. But uh, you and I have started this lockdown sports quiz. We've done it for our friends, and we had one last night, which proved to be very, very popular and really fun as well. And uh, I think now that we know that we're in it for the long haul uh, with regards to this lo- uh, lockdown, uh, I reckon we should open it up a bit more and maybe put put it out there um, for, for folks to join us. Yeah, why not? I mean, look, we're here uh, as, long as, as long as my son is sleeping... Uh, which is, is is fairly early. We uh, and uh, we we love sport. We love South Africans, and if we can do a little bit to to just help people uh, remove the crazy, then why not? And and we promise you that uh, there are a lot of hockey questions featured. Although I think you missed out last night. I don't think you asked one. No, no, I, d- I did get one in. Oh, did I, you? I mean, I'll always get one in. But good uh, man. Of course, I will always get one darts question in as well. So. <laughs> oh, man. Brilliant, Ty. Well, uh, here with starts, uh, the next phase of the lockdown. But uh, as always, Hockey the Podcast continues unabated. Uh, in fact, it actually picks up steam now because uh, there's little else for us to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, by the time people hear it, it'll be a day apart. But uh, how about we uh, do another one right now? I think so. Let's do it. Cheers, sir. Catch up later. Cheers.